Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Shalom Leyudim, Shalom Lebenei Noach, Shalom Legoyim. It's the evening of the fourth day. Erev Ches B'Chodesh Malcheshvan, Parashas Lech Lecha, Tashin Pei Gimel 5783, the evening of the third day, Tuesday, 1 November 2022. You're listening to the program, program podcasting on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Coming to you from Judea, location of Hebron, Hebron, where the main character in this week's Torah reading is interred, Avraham ben Terach, he and his righteous and wise wife, Sarah, their son and grandson and their wives. This is the family plot of the Jewish people that too many Jews in the state of Israel want to hand over to the sons of Ishmael. Abraham's grandson, Jacob, who became Israel, that is who we Jews are curiously named for, not after Abraham. We are not Abrahamites. We are Jews. The Bnei Yisrael, the sons of Jacob, who became Israel, Perhaps because Abraham was the father of many nations, not only us Jews. That's what his name means. Abraham had eight sons with three different women. Yes, I know the Midrash it says Keturah was Hagar. But as a Midrash, I have the right to um, disagree with it. Avraham had eight sons, and the Torah records their progeny versus Jacob, who fathered only one people, the Jewish people. The word Jewish uh, is rooted in the name of Jacob's fourth son, Yehuda. And for sure, there is no other people on this planet uh, who uh, have a record uh, of their forebears as we do. Uh, no one can tell you that when Jacob was alive, their forebears were up to something, but we don't know that because Jacob was born in the year 1653, before the rise of Christianity and over 2,200 years before the emergence of Islam. What other people can tell you anything of a forebear in the year 1653 before the Common Era, let alone what said forebear called his country that far back as we Jews can? How curious, too, that the opposition among world anti-Jewry to calling Judea and Samaria as we do, instead they call it the West Bank, those who do are mostly goyim, but tragically they include too many Jews worldwide, and especially right here in the land promised and re-promised more than once in the Torah, such as the current prime minister of this country, whose flag sports a symbol of the greatest king this people ever had, with all of his sins, model of the Messiah, uh, he, who said he favors the current prime minister, the sons of Ishmael, as the rightful owners and rulers in Judea and Samaria. This is a Jew? Legally, for sure he is, but I insist there's a chasm of difference between the words Jew and Jewish. For example, Karl Marx was legally a Jew, but it is impossible to say he was Jewish. He hated Jews. He was born to Jews, but his father had himself and little Karl at age six and siblings baptized as believers in the guilt of Jews for murdering their Messiah. Uh, that is not a Jewish thing to do. Converting to a community with an historical record of murdering not only six million of us last century, but over 2,000 years, surely millions and millions more. So Karl Marx, like Bernie Sanders, like George Soros, all legally Jews, 
they are impossible to, it is impossible to say they're Jewish in their thoughts and behaviors, not at all. The same must also apply to, ironically, the current prime minister of the state of the Jews, Lair Lapid. Well, he's a Jew, all right, but I don't think he's Jewish. Uh, online yesterday, I saw the great Rabbi Tovia Singer say, I think he said this, I only saw it quickly, that Lapid's sister-in-law and her husband have entered the ignorant and illogical and dishonest society of so-called Messianic Jews. Uh, the rumor was that Lapid's wife had done that, but she has vigorously denied that. Still, in any case, it will not be surprising if this turns out to be true. That close relatives of Yair Lapid uh, are de facto apostate Jews. And that charge, I also think, applies to Lapid himself by supporting the abandonment of Judea and Samaria, which includes turning the cave of the patriarchs over to these sub-civilized Arab Muslim savages. And if true... Uh, this fact of his closeness to apostates fits with his behavior uh, in, in knuckling under to all the original demands of Hezbollah for uh, drawing an undersea boundary. The excellent uh, former minister, professor of philosophy once upon a time, Yuval Steinitz, uh, with whom I did some work uh, in, in his first days in office 20 years ago, he's a fine fellow, he said of Lapid's deal with Lebanon, uh, quote, a complete surrender, to the demands of Hezbollah, to which I append, uh, this retreat will affect other enemies who see in it weakness. Lapid even disgustingly lied to the public by saying, I paraphrase, that Israel now has recognition and relations with yet another Arab state, joining the, Arab, the Abraham Accords, when that is plainly a lie. With my own eyes, I watched Lebanon's President Michel Aoun on TV, explicit, uh, explicitly say into the camera that uh, there's no truth to that. The signing of the agreement, in fact, was conducted in two separate rooms. The agreements are between Lebanon and the United States, not uh, Lebanon and Israel. Likewise, Israel's agreement is with the United States. The Lebanese refused to sit in the same room with the Israeli side, which calls to mind 1949's truce talks between Israel and separate Arab states that had attacked. Uh, this was con These negotiations were conducted by Dr. Ralph Bunch, shuttling between the Israeli room and the Egyptian room. Egyptians refused to sit with Israel as equals because, and this is perfectly understandable, never in history did Muslims treat Jews as equals. Jews were always the Quran's principal enemy, and uh, they were treated as dhimmi, a separate caste, without equal rights uh, in every Muslim country. Lapid lied to the people of Israel, calling this deal with Lebanon, another Arab state recognizing us. I hope he loses big time in today's balloting. He also refused to submit his deal to the Knesset, and Israel's embarrassing attorney general and the high court judges refused to demand Lapid do that and cite the basic laws, Israel's pathetic imitation of a constitution that is no constitution. Today's elections have focused, as never before, on the Religious Zionism Party, called by Erevrav Mixed Multitude journalist Jeremy Sharon on the Times of Israel site, a far-right outfit. He also objected, uh, as part of that coalition, uh, to the presence of Otzma Yehudit, that party. That means Jewish power. And this mixed multitudinous journalist Sharon 
They're called uh, Otsma Yehudit, quote, ultra-nationalist. And never mind the logic of that label. Being ultra-nationalist is like being ultra-pregnant. Either woman is or is not pregnant. There's no such thing as ultra-pregnant and no such thing as ultra-nationalist. What Sharon is objecting to is Jewish nationalism, a.k.a. Jewish power. Yours truly is a veteran, not to say survivor, of the wild and woolly 1960s in the States when black power was in the air and thought a good thing, but not Jewish power? Oh, no. Jeremy Sharon obviously disdains Jewish nationalism, the ideas, feelings, and programs of nationalists. In his opining two days ago, he also used the term extreme nationalism. And by that, I think we are to understand he is uh, objecting to what he considers to be hateful people, extreme nationalists who, by implication, I guess, hate all other people who don't belong to their nation. The last thing that Jeremy Sharon wants are Israelis who hate the Palestinians and resist uh, supporting their cause. In the mind of such an Israeli Jew, hating the Arabs is forbidden, and, and really only it's only a form of racism. Israeli Jews who wholeheartedly side with their own people do so in his mind because they are racists. Sharon itemizes Otsma Yudit policies. Uh, no, I did not for Otsma Yudit, but I do not object to their platform, as Jeremy Sharon does. He objects to their program of, future program of encouraging Arabs to leave Israel and presumably to go live with their brethren. What's wrong with that? What is wrong with wanting the people who make the people of Israel spend huge amounts of money uh, suppressing the desire of these people to murder us all the time? What's wrong with wanting them to leave and go live someplace else? The accusation by Sharon and his type is that there's something wrong with not wanting the Arabs to be our neighbors. This is, to my mind, something psychopathological.
And that was Mickey Rosenbaum doing an old Jewish melody uh, packaged in modern jazz orchestration. So um, imagine it's December 8, early Monday morning, 1941, at an automobile assembly plant in Detroit. As the men arrive for work, uh, punch in with a time clock, maybe, and uh, greet their co-workers. Uh, and uh, guaranteed, a guy who swore at the dirty Japs that morning would not have been reprimanded by another one saying, Now, now, let's not be racist. Let's not condemn all Japanese. Those pilots may have been anti-government rebels, mavericks for all we know, not at all representative of the peace-loving Japanese nation, close quote. That never happened. It never could have happened. Jeremy Sharon of the Times of Israel also objected to Otsma Yehudit calling for the annexation of what he called the West Bank, to which I would love to reply to him in person and say, uh, listen, you idiot, every sober Israeli knows we cannot retreat from the Jordan River. We cannot dismantle our radar installations on the high ground and come down from the high ground and return to the ceasefire line of 1949 and survive, which is what everybody understands by a Palestinian state in the West Bank. We are condemned, if you will, to remaining in Judea and Samaria for our survival, and for that we have to settle it and claim it as rightfully ours. It would be certainly suicidal to abandon Judea and Samaria, as in 2005 we abandoned Gaza, after which the Muslim Brotherhood took over, and that would happen in Judea and Samaria as well. Contrarily, annexing uh, Judea and Samaria would make Israel a more honest and stronger state. Sharon objects to Utsma Yudit wanting annexation and denying the Palestinians the right to vote. And I say, what's wrong with that? They are the enemy. Where is it written that Israel, after fending itself from extermination as a free people, which led to the routing of enemy armies, now we must award citizenship to people who cheered on these armies? I'm reminded of what happened to hundreds of thousands of ethnic Germans during World War II who lived outside of Germany in neighboring countries and were there when the German army invaded. And these people supported the German army against their neighbors, who after the war took revenge by murdering the Germans. Germans claim hundreds of thousands of these ethnic Germans were murdered by their non-Germish neighbors. Where is it written we must embrace the Arabs in Judea and Samaria as fellow Israelis and teach them the Israeli national anthem and afford them all the benefits of being an Israeli citizen? Where? This is an inhuman demand of the Jewish people. You know, either embrace the ancient ones after annexation or be branded as a racist, fascist, settler, colonial, imperialist state. Jeremy Sharon also objected to the Otsmar platform calling for uh, basically hog-tying the high court in its self-declared right to dictate to the people what it prefers as law and policy versus their elected representatives in the legislature. The job of a high court is not to legislate, namely to pass laws and a naked contradiction to last Sabbath Torah reading calling for the death penalty for murderers to be carried out by society, Sharon recoils at the platform's desire to institute a death penalty for Palestinian terrorists. Shocking horrors. Sharon no less shudders at the call for the use of live fire used against Palestinian rioters, when paradoxically that may be the most and therefore most humane tactic 
likely to put an end to stone-throwing rioters altogether. Just yesterday, another member of the Lion's Den gang turned himself into the PA police, as others have, because uh, they have been warned, as the PA recently warned them, that Israel has the capability of finding and killing every one of you guys. This apparently put the fear of Allah into those not so committed to wanting to die for the faith. Think of the morality of the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, which took the lives in both cities collectively less than the number of Japanese in Tokyo in the spring, incinerated in the firebombing of that city with so many houses made of wood, as awful and gruesome as the two, those two A-bomb attacks were that killed collectively less than 200,000 people, the case is made that it ended the war and prevented the deaths, if the war continued, of a million U.S. forces and maybe a million Japanese civilians. It was a moral thing to do to drop those A-bombs in that perspective. Hence, the ethics of using live fire here to shoot to kill a few rioters, which has the potential of seriously curbing the phenomenon altogether. Even better, in my preference, is uh, capturing rioters and immediately kicking them out of the country, they and their nuclear families. Uh, be cruel to them, yes, but if that stops the behavior altogether, it is justifiable as a response to this classic Arab aggression against Jews. There are records of Jews being pelted with rocks by Muslims over the centuries. They throw rocks at dogs and treat us like dogs with this behavior. It's not only a potentially lethal attack, it's also humiliating. And what, after all, is this violence uh, all about? It's about the inability of Muslims to respect us, respect our right not to want to live with them under their oppressive and hateful tyranny. We have the right to live apart from these people, no longer live as dhimmi, uh, when we had to pay lots of money just for the right to live and pray as Jews? Jeremy Sharon cited an interview with Ben Gvir in the Jerusalem Post in the past in which he defined an enemy of Israel, Ben Gvir did, as someone who doesn't want the Jewish state to exist, which of course includes Arabs with citizenship. Indeed, Mordechai Kedar recently cited on a webcast, uh, he says that every Arab political party in its platform rejects Israel as the state of the Jewish people. But of course, Israel has never responded to this fact as it should. That's the result of Israel's huge mistake in 1948 of giving Muslims citizenship and now does not know what to do with them. חשבתי שאני ילד רגיל כמו כולם, שבעבר שלו יש חור שנעלם. פתאום גיליתי שאתה מאוד חסר, אני לא יודע מה אתה אומר. אף פעם לא דיברת איתי. פעם לא מציאותי. אז איפה אתה עכשיו? למה לא בא אליי? אני צריך ממך עצה ועידוד כיוון בחיי. איפה אתה עכשיו? אולי אתה מעליי? 
תשמע את קולי, אולי תרגיש את געגועה. התבגרתי ויש לי משפחה, אני בטוח זה ממלא אותך שמחה. מחפש שורשים שיחזקו ברגעים הקשים. חושב אם אני הבטוח בעיניך, מה לספר לילדיי אודותיך, לקבל אותך מחדש, בתוכי שקשה לי בלעדיך. And that was Avichai Paz Greenwald. And you're listening to the program program on phantomnation.com. So, yeah, I think Israel is a prisoner of its secular Zionist fantasy. embodied in Herzl's Old New Land uh, novel, that in the future the Jewish state and Muslims will get along just fine in mutual respect and fraternal harmony. Herzl had no knowledge of Islam as it really is. Islam is a form of anti-Semitism. Remove that from uh, Islam, and there's not much left. I think that on most pages in the Quran, there is either material uh, that is a narrative plagiarized from Tanakh, from the Jewish Bible, or it's another expression of hostility to al-Yahud, the Jews. You know, in Arabic, a Jew is a Yahudi. The Jews, in the plural, are al-Yahud. But, of course, Islam superseded Judaism, so the territory name for Yehuda and the etymology of that word 
in their own Arabic language reflects that Islam nonetheless preaches it is the correct it, Islam is the correct owner and ruler of the land named for Yehuda and Shomron, Samaria. They call us Al-Yehud, but deny us the right to own Yehuda's tribal land. Israel has to finally be more realistic about the enemy. And that means clashing not only uh, with fire against rioters, but verbally on the battlefield of vocabulary and ideas. For example, CNN just did a piece on the violent ones in such as the lion's den, who are angry that the PA cooperates with Israel. On Sunday, some of the violent ones in Janine publicly called on the PA to join them in fighting Israel in these shootouts. This is in the wake of reports, by the way, that in fact the recent shootouts with IDF commandos, trying to get their hands on the worst of them, uh, PA policemen have joined in trying to kill Israel's warriors. The cooperation be damned. And what I found interesting in the reportage is the virtually doctrinal practice of violent Muslims, the ones on this CNN documentary, who never ever refer to Israel, the state. They don't refer to the Israeli army. It's always just the occupation. This is part of denying the right of Jews to live free of their historic oppression. And the reason they call it the occupation is their belief in the fantasy they have been, that they have been taught that Palestine has been their people's homeland for thousands of years, in shocking contrast to the historical facts included in my book, that after World War I and the breakup of the Ottoman Empire, the Caliphate, uh, during which there was no geography called in Arabic or Turkish, Philistine, there were no people under Muslim rule for over a thousand years who called themselves Palestinians and were called that by the world. As my book lays out, for 40 years after World War I, that's a biblical generation, the leader of the Arabs here, the Grand Mufti, snarled there was no such country called Palestine. It's all Syria, he said. Jerusalem, he said, was located in Syria, specifically in southern Syria. Not until the 1960s did the Muslims here start claiming to be Palestinians and how much they loved their ancient homeland of Philistine. Not until 1970 was there ever any resolution in the United Nations referencing such a people called Palestinians. So when today Israel, official Israel, and even pro-Israel Jews in Israel and the exile call these people Palestinians, they shoot themselves in the foot. In this CNN piece, the Muslims say, the occupation killed off all peaceful solutions and there is no place for a peaceful solution with this Zionist occupation. And I say, in light of this, a psychological and spiritually healthier, healthier Israel would start referring to Judea and Samaria in public and officially uh, as occupied Jewish territory, not occupied Palestinian territory, do so in official pronouncements and texts, the League of Nations, uh, its Palestine mandate, and the UN's acceptance of that mandate makes that clear. This is occupied Jewish territory. Foreign journalists based here routinely register with the army in order to be allowed to interview officers and travel to certain places and meet with ministers, interview them. And Israel might also require these journalists, these foreign reporters, in their reportage to use the terms occupied Jewish territory. And if they don't, they won't get the uh, license that they uh, desire. Israel simply has to see the Arab Muslims here in a different light and terminate their own subconscious wish, the Israelis, that the other side will morph into becoming a friendly neighbor at some point. Israel must demand its rights to Judea and Samaria and right to expel any Gentile here 
who rejects our right to own and rule here, in Judea and Samaria, everywhere, in addition to instituting zero tolerance for any goy who is violent toward Jews, however minor in uh, execution. A violent goy by his behavior cancels any license he might otherwise deserve to live among us.
And that was Hillel with a verse from Exodus chapter 23, verse 20, and uh, the Wayfarer's Prayer. Okay, this has been the third of six weekly podcasts of Phantom Nation. The title is well of a book of the same name, sponsored by Floridians 4, that's the numeral 4, Israel Institute at gmail.com. More than one reader has called it the best book ever uh, on the war against Israel by Islam, currently camouflaged as the putatively primeval Palestinian people, about whom there is nothing Palestinian. Uh, I'll be back next Wednesday, God willing, and when this series is over, the podcast will continue three times a week on www.phantom-nation.com. I'm Shai Bentekoa. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. If you're hearing this message, everyone else can too. Advertise with Israel News Talk Radio and get your message out to people. We'll build a personalized package for you. Contact advertising at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Straight talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, this is Jake in Anchorage, Alaska, and I love listening to all the super interesting interviews and up-to-date information on what's happening in Israel. Hello, this is Anna King, originally from London, now living in Israel. And what can I say? Israel News Talk Radio is my cup of tea. My name is Bhaskar. I'm from India, and I love listening because you get to know the truth and wonderful voices from this lovely country. Mom! Yes. Wait a minute. Hi, this is Chava Dax, and I'm calling for the rolling hills of Malaya Dumim, just north of Jerusalem. I always listen to Israel News Talk Radio to get all the latest news and commentary and to keep me up to date every day. This is Sarah Dax from Malaya Dumim, and I'm 12. I wish Israel News Talk Radio was boring so my mom wouldn't listen to it all the time. Mom! You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.